Now breathe in and out. One, two, three, breathe, breathe, breathe. Welcome to another episode of Stoned and Social. I am Natalie, and with me this week, as usual, I have my favorite co-host, Angel. What's up, Angel? How you doing this week? Hey, doing good. Glad to be here as per usual. Thank here to you. talk about some can of careers. Always, always a pleasure to have you here. If you are just joining us, this is the podcast where we get stoned and then we get social. And I believe this week we're going to be talking about, like Angel said, career development because it's National Career Development Month. But first, we're going to share with you what we stoned on. What you got today? Ooh, I'm smoking some Maui. By Lifestyle Cannabis. Um, my friend just hooked me up recently, so I've just been smoking all her stuff lately. It is amazing. Some real good. Washington, if you're in Washington State, look them up. They're pretty great. Shout what out. about you, girl? I'm always, you know me, I'm on edibles. I've got some gummies. Um, I've got some new stuff, some Shango gummies. They are... Mm. I'm not sure about the flavor. I love the color. They're super lime, blue, green, teal. Ooh, so that's okay. definitely got me in. Um, but yeah, I'm not on anything crazy today. Just some little five milligram gummies. And I'm just going to ride this beautiful, peaceful wave out with you today. Ooh, it sounds like a nice old time. I do love me some gummies, especially pretty ones. Pretty ones are definitely a weakness of mine. Now, as I mentioned, November is National Career Development Month, and this month is all about promoting career development, whether you're learning about it or you are focusing on your own career or you're just starting, whatever it is as it pertains to your career, this month is the time to really take it by the horns. And we thought we'd bring along someone who we've been watching, who we really enjoy what they're doing. We have the lovely chef, Kina Moffitt, with us today. Kina, welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank being you. here. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you guys. Thank you. We appreciate you being here. So yes, tell me. Tell our listeners a little bit about you because you've got, no pun intended, you've got your hands in a lot of pots, don't you? <laughs> Both kind, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know it's always hard because I'm like, you're supposed to have like this like set bio. Like I'm, I'm everything, right? Without sounding like a yeah. douche. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, so I always tell people like I am a recovering accountant. So that is mm. what I have done, uh, you know, for the last 10 plus years as my career. And then Mm -hmm. I was um, dabbling in herbalism on the side because I am passionate about like holistic health and things like that. So that's what I was doing on the side. And I became a certified master herbalist um, because just I'm personally passionate about plant medicine um, and like plant-based healing and things like that. but like I always have loved to cook. Like I, I in my cookbook um, that I wrote back in 2016, my cannabis cookbook. Like I credit my mom in the dedication because she always taught us how to like have fun with food. Like she's a foodie too, mm-hmm. and 
she like made us like the coolest like Santa Claus cakes and like like oh, stuff yeah. that like nobody else's mom was doing like bunny rabbit cakes like what we would call like oh, cake yeah. boss cakes like like today <laughs> and she like has no formal training like she's um, in medicine too like so she's a medical transcriptionist yeah. so she just had, it was like a side thing where she just had fun with it so I always learned that like food wasn't like to be taken super seriously and mm-hmm. I was recently telling my daughter like my mom like she might have been meant to be a chef too because like she <laughs> she like the way she taught was so funny because like I always wanted to learn how to cook but I wanted to cook like exactly what she made because there were things that I like, especially when I moved out and had my own apartment. And so I was like, hey, mom, how do you make, you know, whatever? And like, like your potato salad or something. And she'll be like, well, she'll tell me the ingredients. So I'll be like, okay, well, how much like salt no. do I put in? Or how much like, you know, eyeball that. Like eggs. And she goes, like, she goes, she would always answer however much you want. And I'm like, helpful. And I'm like, okay, but like, I understand, like, how much, (laughs) however much you want, like, until it tastes the way you want. So it really forced me to, like, learn how to cook because she wouldn't just, like, give me a recipe. Like, she's being kind of annoying. (laughs) So I do credit her in, like, knowing how to cook for sure, especially because I'm not classically trained as a chef, like, through, um, like, culinary school or anything. I'm Mm self-taught. So I just, I always credit her because I'm like, she put me through the fire. It was like, you can mess up that food if you want to, (laughs) or you better learn how to use those seasonings. So, yeah. So, you know, like that's where my passion for food comes from. But like I said, I'm a very left brain person. So anything like financial and analytical is kind of like what stimulates me in a way. (laughs) But because I love cooking, um, it was interesting. I actually got laid off from an accounting job back in like 2014 or something like that. I think it was 2013 or 14. And I don't know. I just had like this epiphany. Like I hate accounting. (laughs) I'm really good at it and I really hate it. So I was like, maybe I'll take my severance check and like do something with it. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, kind of talked to my husband and I was like, I think I want to like start a bakery because I started making these little brownies on the side. Like, and I was like sharing with people at work and stuff like that. And I was all way ahead of my time on my the organic and like grass fed mm-hmm. and um like sustainable chocolate and all this stuff like I was far beyond my years as a company like now everybody's doing that kind of stuff but nobody mm-hmm. really was especially not on like a wide scale unless you were in Whole Foods so mm-hmm. like that's what I wanted to do because I was like everybody's gonna love it <laughs> like it's like good for you <laughs> sweet stuff and like we did so he was like okay like if that's what you want to do you know I'll support you so that's what I did like I took all of the money from the severance and I started like this commercial bakery and I started off making like brownies and cookies and small things like like snacks type bakery stuff and um we did pretty well like we got into Whole Foods we got into Amazon grocery um and it was like it was really hard because I had never like owned anything before like and been responsible for my own check you know (laughs) but like it was fun at the same time and it was super empowering to like build your own something from scratch and the funny part like I had, I had never tried cannabis ever in my whole life. Like I definitely am a child of like the eighties and nineties. So like <laughs> the, like McGruff, the crime dog. And, like, oh yeah. Drugs. Like I was definitely yeah, that, that got time. me too. <laughs> like I didn't smoke a cigarette. I was so nope. boring. Like tequila's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> like they call McGruff don't drink dog, but like, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I didn't do anything. So it was funny because I started Instagram because I'm also a commercial food photographer. Like it was something I did on the side. Like I have all these like creative outlets because I hated accounting so much. <laughs> so much. So like I'm a commercial food photographer and I would do photography for like local restaurants here in Georgia and stuff like that. 
So I would take all these photos on Instagram, like early, early days of Instagram and post just like the brownies and stuff. And I would always get DMs of people saying, did they have weed in them? And I remember <laughs> being so like snobby about it. Like I was not to the people, but like to myself, like annoyed, like, no, like, no, my face doesn't have drugs in it. Like, <laughs> and it's like, no, this is, you know, fair trade chocolate and organic sugar. Like, how dare you? Like, I used to be like, so irritated. But I, I'm like, maybe it was like a sign, like early on, it's like plant that seed in my head and be like, yeah, oh, maybe you should consider it. So it literally happened so often on the internet that I used to always joke because the brownies were called fudgies. And I always would joke, you know what? One day I'm going to come out with like buzzies to get people buzzed. <laughs> brownies. So it was funny because this was always a standing joke with me and my husband. Like we would do farmer's markets and stuff and like talk to people and people were for real ask that all the time. So I had heard of like pop brownies from college and stuff, but like I didn't have any personal experience with it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, further down the line, like, I ended up closing the bakery. Like, we didn't have enough capital, you know, even though we had those really big accounts, we couldn't really afford to service them. Um, <clears throat> so I eventually, like, closed the bakery. And during that time while I was closing down the bakery in 2016, my son's best friend was diagnosed with, like, a rare childhood cancer. So then, like, these conversations mm-hmm. started to come up in my kind of sphere about like cannabis as medicine, cannabis as cancer treatment, cannabis on a pediatric level, um, things like that, that I had never really considered. Like I knew some people used it for, um, for cancer, but I didn't know very much about it at the time, especially cause I tell people all the time that like, even if you're a master herbalist, like a psychedelic, um, plants are really taboo. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. the curriculum, I don't care how advanced you go, will pretty much never touch on psychedelic plants, which is a, a, a robbery. Like they're, they're natural. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. so you have to really Amen, seek it sister. out. It sucks. So yeah, like, you really have to agree. seek out that knowledge on your own. So mm-hmm. I knew how to understand like plant medicine from a botanical standpoint, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about cannabis. So like, I really became interested because I started probing my son because he's in middle school at the time and he's 19 now but but I'm like mm-hmm. asking him all these questions like oh my god they're gonna let her do drugs he's like mom like I don't know you ask me too many questions I don't know <laughs> I just know that he, I mean he was for him the punchline was like she's gonna be able to use weed so like, that's all he yeah. and I'm like yeah. what you know I want to know more but I knew like at the time especially here in Georgia that it was like so highly illegal like we didn't even have medical at the time um we had like Mm -hmm. we to this day we still only have limited medical meaning like you basically have to be about to die to be able to get a medical card it's really really bad um so i was concerned because i was like are they gonna let her smoke it like i just didn't understand enough about cannabis and it really inspired me to write the cookbook so it wasn't like supposed to be like a business opportunity it was more like i have all these dope recipes from my, my bakery that I know work because they sold mm-hmm. them. So I was like, if I can teach myself how to cook with cannabis, then I'll make a, a cookbook. Cause I know like her mom and her parents can't be the only like caretakers of people who sure. want to use cannabis who don't want to smoke. So that yeah. really is like what started it for me. So like I kind of took that background in both like being a bakery owner and then also like having that herbal like herbalist background. And I started to read like every medical journal I could find on mm-hmm. like, you know, the efficacy of cannabis as medicine, but then also learning about it from a botanical standpoint, finding out that it was like fat soluble and you could put it into food. So like once I got the gist of all of that, I was like, oh, I can totally do that. So that's like my cookbook is literally just the conversion of my bakery plus like some other like fun recipes to mm-hmm. cannabis because I was like, 
you know, kids or most people, not even really kids, like sweet stuff. Like it's hard to turn down sweet stuff, which is why like, you know, cough syrup supposedly tastes like cherry. Even though it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so that was really the, the reason it was like, I put it out in like an ebook at first and then, um, and then I had it in like a paperback and a hardback and it's on Amazon like to this day. Um, and that's just really how I started. But because I did that, I was back in accounting by then when I published, like I self-published it, self-photographed it, everything. And like, mm-hmm. because I published it, like people in the industry and just at large assumed I sold edibles. Mm-hmm. And it was oh, weird because I, yeah. I was just like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, <Right. you> know? <laughs> but like, I always say like being the entrepreneur I am and like a girl who loves a coin, like, of course I said yes. So <laughs> people are like, do you sell edibles? I was like, allegedly, you know? <laughs> I know, right? So that's kind of how it started. Like I really like just fell into cannabis by just like having a passion for like healing people and having fun with food at the same time. So there's like a interesting like combination of like who I am that really turned into like this Kina in cannabis as an industry. So I really started off in terms of like industry as in the media side, because I came out with a book more so than a product. Um, and then like, it's just grown since then. So like, I always tell people, like I was like a lone wolf in cannabis in 2016. Like there weren't any black people really. There were not a lot of women in any prominent places in like, in just six years, six and a half years, like there's so much change and it's really exciting to be in the industry at this point. Um, and I've done so much since then. <laughs> like I do pop-ups, yeah. I do private dinner parties for people. Um, because I have my cookbook, I have my show online. Because like for me, education is always the most important, which mm-hmm. is like how the book started. And that's why I do the YouTube show as well. So I want to mm-hmm. teach people how to like, you know, destigmatize cannabis. Don't be afraid of it. Like it's not that deep. Because I remember how afraid of it I was because I had never even touched a, a bud before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't want people to feel that way because it feels like you're being cheated, right? Like yeah. it has so many healing properties, wellness properties. You know, I tell people, even people who think they're recreational, like they're not. Like, there's no such thing to me as the recreational use of cannabis. Because if you use it because it makes you sleep better, if you use it because it helps you with your anxiety, if you use That's it because your, you know, joints are a little funky, but then like you feel a little bit better. Like either way, you're treating your endocannabinoid system. It's just not necessarily mm-hmm. health because health is treating disease. Yeah. Whereas wellness is making you feel good on a daily basis, right? So like mm-hmm. if it makes you feel better, it's still medicinal, you know? But like there's no such thing as recreational in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. Right. I mean I feel like that was a huge mouthful. <laughs> that's how I kinda got here and I have a good time in this industry. That's that's really cool. I mean, you've got the cookbook, uh, Cannabis Creations Beyond the Brownie. Yes. You're doing the YouTube's pots and pans. You've got a lot of stuff going on for you, which we appreciate. In terms of career development, what is some advice that you may have for those beginning to look into career and possibly, yeah. you know, the, the cannabis aspect as well? Yeah, for sure. Like the thing is, I, that's probably the most common question I get in my DMs, you know, once I got, I guess, some level of notoriety is like, how do I get into cannabis? And, you know, from one perspective, like I always say, like, I kind of tripped and fell into cannabis just because I used my own skill sets to, you know, be a part of the industry, even though I wasn't trying to be a part of the industry. And that's really my advice to people. It's like, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Like cannabis is um very new. It, like, we are experiencing very similarly, um, 
like how people experienced when like alcohol prohibition was lifted, it mm-hmm. created a brand new like industry, right? So they needed people who specialized in like distilleries and breweries and knowing that kind of stuff from whether it's like a mechanical standpoint or an administrative standpoint or just how to make the actual, you know, liquor and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it just blew up and it has its own subset of all these things. And cannabis is exactly the same. So I tell people all the time that if you're interested and cannabis, like, don't reinvent the wheel necessarily, unless you just want to reinvent yourself, because it happens. Um, but, like, take what you're good at. Like, if you already have a degree, like, for me, I'm not, I don't want to do accounting anymore. But if you are mm-hmm. an accountant and you've built all this experience and you know how to um, do, like, bookkeeping and accounting and stuff like that and taxes for small businesses, especially regulated ones like food, alcohol, tobacco, um, then like there's a space for you in cannabis. Like people need that expertise. Like everybody doesn't have to be a cultivator grower. Everybody doesn't have to make mm-hmm. a product or edibles. Um, and everybody doesn't have to necessarily like um, do what I do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's there's so many things that people don't think about. Like transport. Like that's huge. Like if you've been driving trucks like your whole career, well, look into driving because that's a huge part of cannabis is getting mm-hmm. the cannabis from point A to point B because it's so highly mm-hmm. regulated. Um, yeah. It's, it's not like, you know, something else like where you can have it in a distribution center and like Amazon can just come by, like, you know, come get it and take it to your house. Like it's literally like a point A, B, C, D before it gets mm-hmm. from like the grower to like the customer. So like there's mm-hmm. so many aspects. So that's always my biggest point of um, advice is to like look at what you're good at or what you already love and see how that can play in cannabis. I also tell people if you want to be a cannabis like business owner or entrepreneur to really think about diversifying yourself. I'm really a big proponent of um, like several streams of income because mm-hmm. things can dry up or have slow seasons or something like that. And you just really want to make sure that you put yourself in a position where you're always earning so you don't feel like you're scraping. Right. Yeah. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be an accountant and a plumber and also like a chef at the same time and just thinking right. about ways to like have your main thing have several arms right so for instance for me i am considered like a cannabis chef right so yes i do cook for people i do um you know private dinner parties and, and pop-ups and stuff like that but i also i write a cookbook that is in my lane right i can the mm-hmm. same recipes i would make for people i write a cookbook i do sponsored opportunities where i recipe develop for other companies and then they pay me for that um and then like now you know my show is called the antidote like the, the show on youtube is called the antidote and then now mm-hmm. i recently um a few months ago launched my company in the legal market called pot and pans which is a recipe um, a recipe kit company that comes with the infused component to cook meals with so it's like you don't have to like do 50 jobs but you should figure out how like your one like solid main job can have several arms so think of yourself kind of like a spider in a way like it should be little subsections on each leg yeah we talk about side hustles um on this podcast quite often mm-hmm. so definitely <laughs> love that idea of having yes. you know your your core of what you're you're good at what's natural to you and kind of branching off from that yeah. because if you are creative like you sound super creative mm-hmm. there are usually a lot of different options for you to look at in terms of career i know a lot of people feel stuck in their careers can we talk a little bit about feeling stuck you mentioned you were you had done accounting but you hated it yeah yeah um i can totally relate to that feeling because 
um, I, since I was a little girl, wanted to be a doctor and then that kind of evolved until I wanted to be a pediatrician. And then I wanted, as I got older and I understood medicine, I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. So cannabis, Mm -hmm. oddly enough, still plays in that realm for me because (laughs) I wanted to treat cancer patients, just specifically children, um, which is Mm -hmm. probably why I was so triggered when my son's friend was diagnosed and they were still kids. Um, So that's what I wanted to do. But then I had my son my last year of high school. And I felt like it was irresponsible of me to do, to go to school for like a decade and not be earning because I have a whole child, right? Mm -hmm. It just didn't feel like the right thing to do. So it really just became a matter of like, not anymore what I was passionate about, but what was I good at? And Mm -hmm. I've always been a big like math and science nerd. And I was like, okay, well, what's like a math? You know what I mean? Like, because if it was science, I might as well be a doctor. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) like, well, what's like, what's a math job? you know, that's like super regular, super reliable, like they're always hiring. Because I mean, that's just kind of the way my brain works. And mm-hmm. I was in more like, you know, sustainability, security kind of mode in, in terms of my mind. So accounting, I was like, I've never known a business that didn't have an accounting department or need an accountant. So mm-hmm. I'll do that. So that's literally the only reason why I'm in it is because I made a decision outside of like what I'm passionate about. Right. So mm-hmm. That was my career, but it definitely feels sometimes, you know, a lot of, it felt a lot of times like, you know, brain drained and you're just tired and it just does go very dead oh, and, and you feel stuck and you're like, you're on a hamster wheel because I don't even want to be here. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. core. I don't care what, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. I don't want to stare at spreadsheets all day. Um, so I totally relate to people uh, feeling stuck in whatever they do. And I would say that, you know, it's not always realistic to like quit your job or like pivot mm-hmm. or go back to school or something. And that's why, you know, I would say from my experience, having something on the side that stimulates you is really important. So whether you call it a hobby or a side hustle or whatever it is for you, like I would say until you can move completely out of whatever it is that you're feeling stuck in, like just don't put all your eggs mentally and emotionally into that job. Like it, it can just be Ooh. like, like let it just be what it is. Like let it just be work. And if you have a job that you can leave at work when you when you clock out, leave it at work. And then like all your other time, do something else. And that's what I did. Like I started food photography literally as a hobby. And it just, again, just turned into a business because I would post my pictures on Instagram because I was part of a bunch of foodie groups. Um, and then I just take pictures of our meals when we went out to these fancy restaurants. And then the restaurants, because I would tag them, like they would be like, oh, like do you do photography? And again, a girl who loves a coin said yes <laughs> but I was like that wasn't what I was doing I was being an accountant like that whole time so like if you can find those things outside of work that like mm-hmm. light that fire under you like do those things when you have time and it won't feel like you're working and you just it makes you feel good holistically like it may not necessarily get you out of that stuck feeling at your job like your job is not your life. Like, yes, it takes up a ton of our time and we spend a lot more time with our coworkers sometimes than we do with our friends and family but like it's not your life Mm-hmm. So like whatever that thing is, even if it's on a small scale that does bring you joy, like do that. I love yeah. what you said about just not investing too much emotionally no, into, yeah. into a career or a situation where you're working, you know, to make ends meet. I think that's super important. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people really invest emotionally into something that they know isn't for them. They have a hard time separating like, Hey, I'm just doing this because this is what I have to do now, but this isn't what I'm going to do forever. And Mm -hmm. so I think that kind of perpetuates that cycle of feeling stuck. But I 
I love what you said about not investing emotionally. That makes sense. You know, like always being open to the pivot. Like, you know, you learn that a lot when you're an entrepreneur or business owner. So like, oh yeah, pivot, pivot, pivot. Like move with the, you know, go with, roll with the punches type of thing. But you have to do that in life. Like be open Mm -hmm. to the pivot. Like, I know a lot of people personally who are very high achievers, like myself, like they have become attorneys and doctors even, and they hate it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, business owners, and they hate it, CEOs, and they hate it. And I think you have to give yourself time and opportunity to pivot and stop um, playing the narrative of what that job is, because what a job is, is not who you are, right? Because people typically say like, you know, what do you do? And instead That's of first instead, question. Yeah. And when they, instead of you answering what you do, you answer like who you are. So mm-hmm. when people say, what do you do? And you say, I am. I'm, well, I'm a chef. I'm yeah, a dish, exactly. I'm mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, you cook for a living. That's really what you do. That's not who mm-hmm. you are. And I think if we start to depersonalize um, the, what we do for a living, then the pivot is a little bit easier. But if you worked your ass off, sorry, I don't know if I can curse. <laughs> like, if you yeah. worked your ass off to become like something that took like years to do, or you spent a shit ton of like student loan debt to get there, I know you can feel like I have to do it. Mm-hmm. But like people say life is short and I disagree. I feel like life is too long to be miserable. Like, Absolutely. So like, so yes, it is short in terms of like, eternity sure so like yeah mm-hmm. you can have that yolo perspective about things but i think you should also look at it from kind of like a cost rewards perspective and it's like life is too long to be miserable if this really makes you miserable it's affecting your mental health if it's affecting your emotional health you know then maybe you should just go ahead and pivot like i don't even say maybe you should go ahead and pivot and if that means you know become a chef or an artist or a freaking dog groomer i don't care if mm-hmm. it like just do the thing that brings you joy and the world will adjust like life will adjust Ooh. your parents yes. with their expectations of what you should have become they will adjust yep. like i don't care you will adjust and i think as long as people like see the world from that perspective like i think we'll see a lot more people turn to things that they want to be doing as opposed mm-hmm. to feeling like what they have to be doing and just because Ooh. you've been doing something for the last decade doesn't mean that you have to do it for the next decade mm-hmm. and like don't be afraid to start over like people really yeah. like get they feel good about this. I know like we can, we have pride as human beings, but like let go of your ego and stop being so comfortable being like the one girl in the department who has like 10 years of of experience and like everybody else is an underling to you. Because who cares if you're a miserable 10 year experience or shit? Like like, I'd rather have 10 months of experience in something and like jump out of bed every day to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. And if you are feeling that, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for real. Like I'm vibing. This is usually like, mm, I love it. I love all of it. I love that you're all about education and just really having people follow their passions. I ad- advocate for that super strongly as well. Personally, it's like, why do we, ch- yeah, choose to be miserable? Why do we continue to um, feel the depression and anxiety when we know yeah. it's just our body telling us that we need to do something different and that's okay and change is okay and if anything like that's the one constant in this world is that kind of everything is temporary so why not yeah. embrace it the best that we can for sure. Yeah, for sure and what do you think personally that can help those interested in cannabis cooking that doesn't currently exist for that kind of realm for people to kind of get more I think people may 
um, get intimidated because it's still not like federally legal and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, and I, I think it's really interesting. I would love to also hear a bit more about pots and pans and how you got around obstacles surrounding um, having infused ingredients and, and whatnot, because that's super yeah. interesting. And you're yeah. in Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, pot and pans is a, oh Lord, it is definitely a journey of like stealth and creativity. <laughs> stealth and creativity is the best way I can say that. Um, I'm sorry. So what was the first question? <laughs> what was the first sorry. question? <laughs> like, what do you think could help people just get into cannabis? Oh, get into the in general, yeah. Okay. So like, if you want to get into cannabis, in the, specifically in my sector, which is edibles, um, and like really niche down, like I'm part of infused foods because I don't really do like candy and gummies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, so, I don't know. I'm like, there's so many things I say about that. So first, you need to learn. Like we, like when I was a kid, like Yahoo was all you had, okay? So like, <laughs> we, we live in the information age and there's literally no excuse to not learn about like every, anything you want to learn about and largely for free. Like YouTube University is a thing. Um, for real. So that's my first thing is like, honestly, step one is please know how to cook. Like everybody thinks, they want to be an edible. <laughs> like they actually can't cook regular yeah. food, which is wild. Yeah. So <laughs> just out a whole bunch of people. <laughs> so I'm like, like, you can't you even cook. Listen, if you can't cook, mama, then that's not for you. <laughs> uh, you know, I learned this funny. I used to be um, a general manager of Chipotle, like way back. And like one of the things I love in terms of like the way they train is like they have this notion called aces in their places. And I've always taken that with me. Like even into my own companies, it's like, it really, so aces in their places means like everybody goes through the same training program, kind of like the military kind of like the same training program. And as you, you know, complete the program, you see who's better at certain things. Some people are better at expediting. Some people are better at customer service. Some people are better at chopping vegetables at speed and at scale. So it's like, as you, so we all go through the same program, but then you'll see who the Mm -hmm. stars are, right? Because the thing is like not making everybody do everything. I think that's ridiculous. So like you find what what you're like the bomb and then you put the person Mm -hmm. in that place. So so from an aces aces in their places perspective, if you can't cook, sis, stay out of the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you like edibles, that's cool. Maybe you should be in packaging design. (laughs) She's like, take that hat off. Take the chef's hat off. You know better, boo. Quality control. It's like you might have <laughs> so like that is number one like if you can't cook and you're not willing to learn how to cook don't just just move on out of our space because it's not gonna work <laughs> but let's just say so if you can cook and that's the bare minimum then learn how to infuse like and i always say it's important to learn how to infuse the basics in cannabis and what i personally call the basics are butter oil um milk um and there's another Oh, like tincture. So tincture can be, it's basically like liquid cannabis. So like an alcohol-based tincture, a vinegar-based tincture, glycerin-based tincture. Um, You need to learn like those very basics because once you know how to make those things, you can really make anything, right? Because like those are the Mm -hmm. base components to to a recipe. So then once you know how to do that, you can really create whatever, you know, your version um, of cooking is. So that's really important. Um, 
I have a course that I really want to update and I just haven't had the time to update, but I do have a course on Teachable that's literally called like Cannabis Cooking 101. And it's been there for years um, where it literally takes you through all those basics. Um, and, you know, it's been there for years. I need to, I really would love to update it. I just don't have that kind of time. <laughs> but, um, but like, even if you don't use that, like I'm sure there's stuff on like YouTube or like the internet. Um, my cookbook is really inexpensive. And um, the first, like, part of the first chapter of it teaches the basics as well so if you know nothing like that's a good place but there's also like a ton of other um cannabis cookbooks as well there's one that's called like just edibles i think the fraulein chef i think that's her name on instagram she wrote that one um and shoot uh elise wrote one too from high times i don't i can't remember what it's called. i might be called the high times cookbook but like yeah, you need to get like resources so you can use the paid ones or you can take the free ones. Either way, like do that before you go into somebody's DMs and be like, I want to be, I get so many people. Do you need an intern? Like, <laughs> I, I would love to be your assistant. And I'm like, yeah. you know, and I'll ask you, or they like, what, you know, what can I do in cannabis? And I'll ask people, like, what do you want to do? You know, I kind of feel like my mom when I was like, how much? She's like, how much do you want <laughs> <laughs> Right? So I'm like, that's really like you can't just come to a person who you perceive as being like an influencer or somebody who's doing really well in the space and like really ask for things you should really show up offering things can't now, help on the cocktails you really can't so you have to be mm-hmm. like i already know a b c and d and like i just want to get in where i fit in like i'll work my butt off for you um so that's probably another tip it's like if you do you live in a legal state or you know somebody who lives in your space who is doing it um show up and just ask i mean like a lot of people Mm -hmm. especially in cannabis i found like it's a very open industry and most people are not very full of themselves so you can slide in the dms and like maybe you know get an opportunity or at the very least make a connection but like don't hop in people's dms asking for stuff like you Mm -hmm. should come in offering something like this is what i can do and maybe they need it and maybe they don't but you shot your shot so that's um important too in terms and then also i would say like be different like i i used to teach um culinary cannabis to professionals at a university level and i used to tell them all the time like if anybody brings me another gummy i'm gonna throw my shoe (laughs) like like, i don't want to hear in 2021 that you want to jump into the edibles industry and you want to make another gummy like i just don't because like we not that i won't even go as far as like we have enough because i do have i don't i don't believe in scarcity so I think that if you mm-hmm. do have like the bomb gummy recipe or like you're doing something cool and different, like you make yours with fruit juice or you make yours vegan or you do something like cool and funky with it, then yes, bring that to the market. But if you're just going to do like a copycat thing, like you're wasting at least my time. Like I don't, there's a ton of that like already at the dispensary, but it, like, yeah. but, but bring your creativity. Like if you come from like some type of cultural or ethnic background, like, oh my gosh, could you imagine like. A taco truck with weed in it, amazing. Like if you mm-hmm. make, I don't care, Indian food or whatever, like your thing is, like bring you to cannabis. Don't try to do what everybody else is doing. And I think pe- you'll find significantly more success. I, I like, wow. That's, I mean, that's exactly what I was hoping you said, but <laughs> I like hearing you say it. Now, I know you mentioned a little bit that you, you, you know, you were kind of like me. I also was raised on, McGruff and like drugs (laughs) scared me like all those after school specials I was like oh man if I do drugs I will die I will die (laughs) my parents will disown me and society will just shoot me out to the woods and go there you go you're a wild child now so I also was scared of a dog in a trench coat um (laughs) (laughs) 
So, so I'm assuming that at least a little bit, you are trying some of your own creations. Are yeah. do you use cannabis outside of your own creations now? And how do people react when you tell them you're a cannabis chef? Okay, so yeah, like that's two questions. Okay, so like the first one, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I was, I always, well, I say this with like my head held low sometimes. Like I was so pathetic when I started because, like I said, I had never touched cannabis before. So I used to wear like the full like black latex like tattoo gloves. Like I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to take my fingers. Oh wow! Funny. Like I was okay. petrified of it. So while I had done the research, so I believed in it from a medical standpoint, I was still like literally terrified from like years wow. of conditioning that it was like bad, even though I knew that what I was doing was good, which is like a crazy Thanks, thing. I think that's a, a really interesting way to think about how America looks at it. Like you get that it does good, but you still been conditioned that it's bad. And I think mm-hmm. like, because I, I have empathy for that, you know, in terms of places like slowly legalizing, cause I felt like that person. So um, that's how I used to, <laughs> how I started <laughs> off, like, with the plant, like, very, like, timid and, like, really terrified mm-hmm. of it. And I accidentally got high. Like, I used to, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so careful. And um, I don't have, I don't know why. Maybe I just needed, like, my cannabis cherry popped. But, like, <laughs> but, like I was making brownies for somebody. And I, I never even tasted anything. Like I knew that the recipes were sound and I knew mm-hmm. that I knew what I was doing in terms of dosing. So wow. I knew that I was right, but I never tested it or tasted it to, to find out. Like it really mm-hmm. took like people who I knew like um, got high and stuff. So I would get, give it to them or like I just would get feedback from people who were I was selling it to and stuff. But like I never would taste it. So I'm making brownies for somebody and I literally lick my finger. I have never oh, licked better. I've never done that like ever because Ooh. I'm like so like conscious of like this is not like regular, you know, batter uh-huh. or whatever. And I had made so many brownies prior to that. And I licked my finger, didn't even <laughs> think about it, and like went on making the brownies, right? So like they're in the oven and like, you know, life's going. <laughs> as know. And as we know with edibles, they can take six thirty to like ninety minutes to come mm-hmm. in. So I'm sitting mm-hmm. on the couch with mm-hmm. my kids and my husband watching something on TV and like I literally started getting like that TV like womp 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 like in my oh, yeah. and, like, <laughs> and like the TV started to kind of feel like kaleidoscopy in a way. And I was like and I'm sitting there like what the what is wrong with me? And then I just literally just went, oh, I've never been helpful in my life. And at this point, I'm, I think I'm at least 30 years old at that point. And I had never been high before. So I was freaking out. And then I'm laughing at myself for freaking out. And then I'm paranoid. And I'm sitting there. And like my internal monologue, I wish had a microphone to this day. Because it's pathetic. Like I was like, Oh my God, I know I'm not gonna die, but like, what's gonna happen to me? Am I, and, I, and then, like, I'm, at this point, I, I'm embarrassed, so I don't wanna tell my husband that I'm high, because, like, he doesn't mm-hmm. get high either. So I'm like, that's embarrassing. So then I'm telling myself, it is embarrassing, friend, but, like, what if you die? Like, and he doesn't. Like, <laughs> oh, like, the what like, if you die? Like, <laughs> So what if you die? And like he doesn't know why you die. So then you have to tell him. So I'm really sitting on the couch with him with our children in between, and I send him like a text that says, I'm pretty sure I'm high. By <laughs> accident. And he's like, his eyes looked at me. I was like, I don't know what to say. I think I can't stop this roller coaster. It's going already. 
And yeah. so like, so, yeah, it's, it's already gone. So like, he's just looking at me. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, well, I think so. I just wanted to tell you just in case, like, you know, something adverse happens or whatever. Because I've never been In case I die. So, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so no, just in case, you know, do we have our affairs in order? Like, yeah. and then he's like, okay. So then I was like, at this point, like my head is like physically like spinning. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go get in the bed and maybe I can like it'll just go away <laughs> but like, I can, like I just go to sleep so I'm in the bed and at this point I get dry mouth oh, and no. this is how I know like like paranoia in certain strains is real and mm-hmm. I don't know because we're talking about years ago which all I had was street weed right so I was like mm-hmm. I don't know what the cannabinoid content is I don't know like the turkey profile right, I know literally. I'm just in here like okay well I guess I'm experiencing this you know <laughs> just like yeah. straight up anecdotally so I'm like okay dry mouth so then the paranoia kicks in and I'm like oh what if my throat closes? Because like it's so dry, oh, and, like, yeah. and like I have this fear of like suffocation. So now I'm just like, oh my god, I'm what if I die? So I'm Where literally like, panic. Oh our bathroom gosh. was like attached to the bedroom, so at least I didn't have to go out and be like pathetic in front of my children. But like I went to the bathroom, and I'm literally just like running cold water on my tongue. Like that's oh, all I'm, I'm like laying in the <laughs> <laughs> like a dog in a bowl. I could just let in the water run on my tongue because I refuse to die. Like I refuse to let my throat close. This <laughs> <laughs> dry mouth. So then, like it, it kind of subsides at some point, and I'm like, I think I'm okay. I'm not gonna die. It's just gonna pass. So I want to mm-hmm. go to sleep. And I couldn't believe like I would sleep, and then I would wake up hours later, and I was still so high. And I was like, what? The? I and I know I had like a virgin system, but I'm like, it, I didn't like take a spoonful of it. Like I literally <laughs> like licked, like licked my finger. And I was just I was wondering. I was like, how potent were these? Yeah, I was like, oh, she had the good shit. She didn't realize it. Can I come visit you? Know. Or no, that's what I'm saying. I didn't even know. Like, I must have been making the good, good brownies at that point. Right. But like, I was like, yeah, it was so pathetic. It was so bad. So yes, I have been high. <laughs> I started my get high journey by accident. Um, but that's kind of how it started. So yeah, eventually I got up. 12 hours later and I was still high and went away about hour 13 and I think what's most funny about myself is like I'm kind of a control freak so and I'm and most chefs are but but like I think I'm like the analytical side of my brain kicked in like a lot of people are afraid to get high and when you're a control freak because you think like it's going to make you different it did not mm-hmm. make me different it made yeah. me more myself in a way even mm-hmm. though like I, you know I had p- paranoia in certain and I'm sure that has something to do with like the strains of the terpene profile but like I was more myself because even as I was going through that, like my analytical side started to kick in because I was like, well, now I'm experimenting on myself. Like my scientific brain was like, okay, I want to, I want to write this down. Like I want to write down my experience. Like, how do I feel? You know, am I, am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I afraid? And I really became like very analytical about what other people must go through, like when they're high. So although I was a little like nervous about other parts, I really started to like focus in on how I felt. And I remember turning on the like recorder app on my phone and I literally was talking to it for hours. It's like, like, like literally like dictating into my phone because I wanted to remember like, how I felt like for the whole time. Uh, so I'm like, it does. So if you're scared, <laughs> it didn't make me different. It, I mean, I already have anxiety. So I'm like, it makes things more pronounced. Like I already have anxiety. So of course I was a little bit more anxious and it was the first time and I didn't do it on purpose. So, you know, it, did, it definitely made me feel anxious, but I was never in danger. It's all really mm-hmm. funny when I think back at it, like, in the time, <laughs> it was, like uncomfortable a little bit just because I had never done that before. 
that's also why I tell people when they try edibles to try like very you'll hear it constantly preached like responsible dosing and starting low and slow and mm-hmm. all that yeah, slow and slow with um edibles because they take so long to you know process through the liver and for you mm-hmm. to actually feel anything so you know like if you're scared like it's like you don't become a zombie or wow. something crazy and you will not die <laughs> like, <laughs> like even scientifically it's highly improbable that you will actually die so, <laughs> so so i'm like yes i have tried it and then like I don't necessarily like 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 the feeling of being quote unquote high. So mm-hmm. I I use um, cannabis mostly for wellness. Like I get migraines and like I use it for period cramps. I use it for anxiety if I'm really like ramping up. I'll use it for that. But I learned through that experience initially that I'm a microdoser. Like I personally have a very sensitive system to most things, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. caffeine. So I learned that I was a microdoser, and I really, which is great economically speaking. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like you need mm-hmm. so little to get the same effect as other people. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. I do, it, but I really use it more focused for something um, as opposed to like quote unquote recreational. Like I will use it for like wellness things when I feel like I need it. Like it's really great for migraine. It's really great for anxiety, which most people know. Um and stuff like that. So yeah, I so a long story short, yes. <laughs> I do I do use my products um and I do taste test things now where I used to be petrified to taste test. <laughs> so now yeah if I'm making developing like a new recipe or a new product, I will taste um taste it. Oh that's so awesome. Well, (laughs) your second question was about, I think, pot and pans, but I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the pot and pans. I was asking um, how you created a product with infused ingredients. Great question. Great question. So, (laughs) how do we say this? I feel like I need a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) How does we say this? But... Okay, so first things first is because I have had so many years of experience cooking with cannabis, like I know, I don't have to make it to know that it'll work, if that kind of makes sense. Like I can write out a recipe and I understand how to dose, so I know it'll work. I don't have to really test it a bunch of times in order to like Mm -hmm. get it down, if that kind of makes sense. So that's by and large how it started. But like for me, I've been in cannabis in the industry for six years and I largely promoted other people's products. And that just became like something that kind of niggled at me because I live in a prohibition state. And, you know, like if you've seen like episodes of my show, like I'll do, you know, I put a lot of brands on, like I talk about different brands and like Levo and all these people who sponsored or or sponsored even after the fact, like my Levo video has like 60,000 views. And I wasn't, that was not a paid video. Like I just did it. Mm -hmm. And like they wanted after the fact (laughs) to become a sponsor because it, it became so popular. So I spent so much time like like promoting other people's stuff and I was like, this is annoying. Like I want I just made this declaration and kind of was like manifesting it that I want my own legal product. So um I and I'm I'm big on brain dumps because I have a lot of ideas as a natural entrepreneur. So like pot and pan started as like a brain dump. Like and of course you're a nerd when you do a business plan as a brain dump. But, <laughs> but like, I wrote the business plan just because I needed to get it out of my mind because if I didn't like mm-hmm. I would keep ruminating on it. So I wrote like the full business plan of what pot and pans would be. And I was like, cause I always thought like, wouldn't it be dope to have like a HelloFresh or a Blue Apron, but it'd be cannabis. 
Yeah. Because people mm-hmm. find it's such a, a learning curve with trying to figure out how to doze or how to make the, you know, the basis as we were talking about and stuff like that. So I was like, well, what's a great way to give people a shortcut by giving them like the infused component and then like giving them a recipe. And, you know, those those companies are like, super successful and super popular. So I'm like people would, who are in the cannabis edible space, you know, as consumers would love that. So that's how it mm-hmm. kind of started is like just getting it out of my head. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe in like destiny and all that kind of stuff, right? And like mm-hmm. the universe working and conspiring for your good and all that stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, and like, so literally like the day I finished, like completed the business plan, like a friend of mine was like, you should come to this, um, this business boot camp." And I was like, okay, like, sure. Cause I love M for MM. It's minorities for medical marijuana. Like they're a great organization. One of my favorite, like I'm a part of a lot of them, but like they're one of my favorites. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to, because I'm always interested in like legal states because mine isn't. So it was about Michigan. And I literally sat there, it was a two day like weekend event. And like all of a sudden at the like last day, they were like, you know what we should do? We should do a pitch contest. And I was like, really <laughs> and they're like, and they were telling people like, you know, don't be freaked out about it. Like we just came up with it at the last minute. It has a thousand dollar prize. Like even if your business isn't fully fleshed out, like go ahead and pitch so that you can like shake out the nerves and, da, 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 da. and like you spent mm-hmm. the whole weekend learning about all these different aspects of how to bring this a business together to like pitch us your concepts. And I'm like looking at my husband, like that's wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. I spent the last two weeks making a business plan in the pitch deck for something that I'm super passionate about. So I was like, well, why not? And then like, I'm an introvert for sure. So, so pitching people like live on like, a Zoom was like not yeah. exciting for me, but I was like, why not? Like it, it, at the very least I can kind of test this idea that I spent all this time brain dumping. So I did the pitch and I won. <laughs> so it was oh, like yeah. so oh, crazy wow. that like, I wasn't necessarily ready to bring cotton pants to the market. I just wanted to get it out of my head and on paper. So that's awesome that you won the contest, like, just right out the gate. Yeah. So I think it just was about being prepared. I think it's important to always be, like, over-prepared. And not even just over-prepared. Like, you know how people say, like, you don't have to get ready when you stay ready? And that's really how I live, like, all the time. Like, don't do something because somebody's making you do it. Like, just do it because it feels right or, like, the timing Mm -hmm. feels good. And then, like, opportunities really will rise up for you, I think, when you put in the hard work. And that was, like, a true, like, you know, like – experience of that because like I literally did it for myself and I did you know like you can't just wish for stuff you know what I mean yeah. like whether you're yeah. religious or not it really just is like faith like the bible even says like faith without works is dead so you can't just be out here <laughs> wishing and then you don't do nothing yeah. so like I did put a manifestation out there that I wanted my own product but I I did the work but it wasn't like I was expecting anything in return it was really for me and then boom <laughs> I was like here here's your opportunity thank you right. universe and I was like oh okay then right. so, so mm-hmm. you're detached the least right yeah, yeah, but, like, oh my gosh detachment is really hard for me as a, a self-proclaimed control freak but yes mm-hmm. yeah. I'm learning because like the more you detach from like the outcome for real like you're mm-hmm. gonna come you know come to you a lot easier it's kind of like when i was a kid my mom used to say like she was talking about not being stingy with things like and sharing quote unquote like to kids but she would always say like a tight hand can't receive and mm-hmm. like you know like somebody mm-hmm. puts something in your hand like if you hold it so tight like nothing can get in or out at this point so all you have mm-hmm. is what you have yep. and it's kind of like that same idea like just let it go like you did the work and let it go and that's really what happened with that so it, it springboarded me into like starting the process of making it like an actual business because then at that point I'm like, okay, well I won the thousand dollar prize. 
So I do have some like initial capital that's separate from my other businesses that I can like start, you know, on this project. So I really like went in and I like, took all the feedback I got from the investors who were at the pitch competition. And like, I tweaked the, the pitch deck even more. Um, and then I pitched again in like this like Shark Tank kind of environment. It's a company called, um, what is it called? People Connect. And they do this thing called Pitch Force where mm-hmm. they, uh, where you basically, you know, you pitch like real investors and they do specific cannabis days. So that's really nice because then it's, oh, it's a lot cool. easier to pitch to cannabis investors than it is to like standard like VC investors who have invested mm-hmm. in tech and stuff because they don't get cannabis. And it's just like a lot of questions you have to keep re-answering because they don't even get cannabis period, like as an industry. And, you know, if you have a scared investor who's like scared of legalization and scared of prohibition, mm-hmm. like it's just hard. So to have like a cannabis specific pitch event, um, it's just really invaluable. Mm-hmm. So I pitched there as well. Um, and really, that's when I think like the business like got like a lot of energy because like these were like real seasoned, you know, well-capitalized cannabis investors. And they gave me a ton of amazing feedback. And um, it was live again via Zoom. And the company at the end sent like the video so I could like rewatch it back and stuff like that. And like, I really like dug into the pitch deck after that with all the feedback and stuff that I like really love and stuff that I could attach to. Because like I said, these are people who are in the industry already. They're already investing at a high level in cannabis companies, specific, specifically edibles for me. So like mm-hmm. that's, so I really like I said, dug into it. And then like, I just kept, and I'm really smart with money because <laughs> I'm not cheap, but I'm like a really like frugal girl. You have to so, be as an accountant, a former accountant. Yeah. <laughs> right, for sure. So I'm like, I, even that thousand dollars, like it stretched so far. Like I definitely put a lot of my own money into it, but like I use that money to like make sure like to, that I was like an investable company. And a lot of people don't understand like what that really means. Like people, everybody's just like, oh yeah, I just need more capital. And like my company could be amazing. But like investors won't invest in companies that um, aren't structured a certain way. So like yeah. if you have like an LLC and all that, like you're never going to get like real investment capital from like an institutional investor because they just can't do that. Like it doesn't work for their like balance sheets and how they do their money and stuff. So like yeah. I really focused on like learning how to build an investable company at that point because the concept was pretty, you know, nailed down. But I was like, now how do I make myself have an investable company? So I became um a corporation, but I did it in Delaware. And that was something I really learned by um, taking a ton of courses specific to like startup investors and uh, becoming like a new founder. And mm-hmm. Delaware is just very um, corporation friendly. So VCs only really want to invest in companies that are um, founded in Delaware because the laws there are just so investor friendly. They're so corporate friendly. Um, so that's a big deal. So doing that, uh, so it, it, and it kind of leads into that, your question about like, how do I live in Georgia? And I was able to do like this legal company, quote unquote, in, in, you know, in the, in the industry or whatever. And that's because like I said, my business is actually founded, quote unquote, in Delaware. So we're a Delaware mm-hmm. C corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, where like I am the sole founder right now, I own 100% of the shares, uh, and then I have shares, which is a big deal. Like you have to have shares if you want to take on investors. So sure. that's a huge part of how I started is making sure. Even though I don't think cannabis itself is legal in Delaware, but that doesn't matter. It's just that the entity has to be formed in Delaware. So that's the first mm-hmm. part. And then, like I said, doing a ton of research on legal states. Like, everybody knows about California, Colorado, but, like, I think it's really important to look at emerging states, like people who just go legal and stuff like that, because they're hungry for new products and because yeah. we don't have interstate commerce and cannabis. Like, you can really build a brand in a in an emerging market because there aren't any, you know, we don't, there's no such thing. I mean, 
cookies and like other companies have done it with like branding across state lines, but they don't necessarily dominate. Like nobody dominates in Canada. Yeah. Like, there's there's no like Mrs. Butterworths of cannabis. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, there's no household names really yet. Like people are just working on it. So that's step two is like doing your research on hopefully the closest um, legal state to you if you're not in a legal state. But then even if it's not about proximity, like what are the laws look like? Like how friendly are they to new licensees? Um, is it expensive to get in the market? Are they, um, if you're a person who has like cannabis convictions, a person of color, women, um, how friendly are they to like social equity opportunities in, in different mm-hmm. states? Because there's a lot of hoops to jump through in cannabis, period, um, especially if you're undercapitalized and especially if you come from those disenfranchised communities. So like doing it's always about doing your research. Like people don't want to hear that. Everybody wants the sexy answer. But like doing your research, is not, it's not sexy, but it's important because you, you won't be able to really get far if you don't or you'll be taken advantage of like if you don't um, do your own research. So that's a big part of it. Um, I personally chose Michigan as my mm-hmm. launch state because it's an emerging recreational market and pot and pans is um technically a recreational product i mean technically i could maybe apply for a medical license but that's not something i'm interested in because it's not branded um Mm -hmm. as a medical product it's branded as a social fun product you know like Mm -hmm. you would be making dinners for date night or Mm -hmm. for girls night or a party that you're throwing um and you use the pot and pans infused ingredients to make those meals so Mm -hmm. That's really where we are. And I chose Michigan as well because it's um, a very like high minority demographic that lives there. And I really find it personally important to offer jobs and opportunities to people of color and women mm-hmm. uh, in cannabis because it's just not easy to get in. And even, you know, it's changed so much since I entered in 2016. But like there's still it's just a white man's kind of industry still yeah. like most industries in America. So. Um, any chance I can have to build something from the ground up that really gives like a lot of diversity and an opportunity. Like that's something that I want to do. So that's how I picked Michigan. So Michigan is a legal state. It's fully legal. And they're very, very um, approachable in terms of like licensees. Like they, they offer like free training about how to get your license. Like they're very open to people coming to the state and starting cannabis businesses. And I think mm-hmm. instead of going somewhere where it's an uphill battle, like, um, California, especially Colorado, on some of those other places, like look mm-hmm. into places that aren't really like beating you over the head financially or just even emotionally, honestly, to like yeah. get in to be able to get in the game. And like you know, like um, Nevada is a good place. Oklahoma is good. Um, I love to do Illinois because I was born and raised in Chicago, but um, they aren't. It's like Illinois law has been since before I was born it's kind of good old boy kind of club thing and it's hard to get in but I would love to do that because that's where I'm from um so yeah like do your research and that's how pot and pans is like it's crazy like I live in Georgia pot and pans is founded in in Delaware and it is launched (laughs) in Michigan (laughs) so it's you know you but you have to do that you know you really got to have some hustle Mm -hmm. to you I tell people all the time that cannabis is an industry that is not for the faint of heart um You can make some good money in cannabis, depending on what you do, but it's not a get rich quick thing. It is not the green rush, quote unquote, that people say it is. Like you spend a lot of money to even get in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Like you have, we have so many obstacles that other industries don't have. If I just mm-hmm. wanted to launch this same product, which would make it a competitor of like HelloFresh and Blue Apron and Plated and stuff like that, I would have none of these issues, right? Like I can't advertise on like, 
standard advertising. I can't make, I can't mm-hmm. buy a billboard. I can't get a TV commercial. I can't do podcast commercials. I can't buy social media marketing. Um, you know, when it comes to like having an actual brick and mortar place to make the product for people, like you can't mm-hmm. be within like a thousand feet of a school or church yeah. or a park. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that people don't understand about cannabis. Like we can't, we don't have banks. <laughs> like we don't, yeah. Yeah, get, like most we, banks don't we even can't take your money. Get a bank account. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the very minimum thing you Nuts. do when you legitimize the business is yeah. like form it and then you get a bank and then like, right. you know, all these things. And it's like, it's wild like that we have all these um, mm-hmm. hurdles and you have to really be passionate about more than the money because if the, if the money is why you want to do it, you will not last. You're in the wrong, sure. you're in the wrong spot. It really yeah. is. It's like not to be like super altruistic, you know, and be like, oh, it's like, you know, it's only for the people who left the planet, which would be amazing. But like, it's just because <laughs> it's just too much work. Like if you it's only there for work. the money, like you're, you're not going to be able to stay in it. You won't have like the balls for it because yeah. it's so much work and there's so many hurdles and there are still some considerations to take when because it is federally illegal so like you have to really be conscious of all those things coming into it but that is how pot and pans has navigated so i always say like stealth stealth and creativity (laughs) because you know do the research to figure out how to get in the game um Mm -hmm. right now maybe things will change and it'll be a lot more open to um to Mm -hmm. cannabis businesses but right now you really do have to be pretty stealthy and creative and you have to um, just keep say keep motivated. It's hard to be a regular yeah. founder. A cannabis founder is even tougher. Harder. Fundraising is harder. Like I have mm. a friend of mine who's like an amazing entrepreneur. She owns a tech company and like she's raised like a couple million dollars on the platform Start Engine, which is um, crowdfunding, but for businesses. So like you buy equity through through crowdfunding in businesses. And I was like, okay, so when we launch Pot and Pants, like I'm gonna do that. Right. And mm-hmm. as soon as I like applied, they were like, oh, no, we don't do that. We can't do cannabis businesses because like we can't even hold your money in escrow yeah. because we can't legally mm-hmm. hold it in our bank. So like even though like you raised it from people who want to invest in your company, like we can't even legally hold it to even mm-hmm. pass it on to you, even though there were, mm-hmm. there's been no like sales of cannabis. It's just equity in a business. Yeah. But like they were like, no, we can't do that. So I was like, oh, shoot, like that was like the, the big kind of plan for but for, for fundraising, like, was to go that way, like, through the people, of the people, and it was like, I can't mm-hmm. even do it. And then there's cannabis platforms that specifically say they're, like, crowdfunding platforms for cannabis, but I just think they're, it's just marketing, because yeah. when I apply through them, like, they don't do plant touching. So I was like, well, if you don't do plant touching, and all you do is, like, cannabis tech and cannabis real estate, then really it's that's a regular business, like a tech business, mm-hmm. a tech business, and I could just went to start engine if I wanted to, like, so it's just hard um, to get in the right places, like say talking, finding cannabis specific investors, um, finding just places to like even talk about the product. Like I can't wait for MJ BizCon, you know, in in um, in uh, Vegas in October because at least you can be in the space with like investors who care specifically about our industry. But it's it's really tough. Um, I, I'm doing still have an open friends and family round where we're investing. I mean, where we're fundraising right now on like a smaller level. Um, so that friends and family can have equity in the company. And even that is still a hurdle, right? I still have a lot of traditional friends and family who don't understand cannabis or don't understand that it's okay <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's like you're fighting multiple battles at the same time because it's not just about convincing somebody that your product is amazing and your company is going to be amazing. It's also having to destigmatize completely constantly along the way that they should give you their money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like it's it's not for the faint of heart and you really do have to to just think it through before you decide to jump in this industry on pretty much on any level, because a lot of it um, is 
explicit, but it's also implicit. Like, you know, we've joked about it over the years about it's called the green coming out of the green closet. Like Mm -hmm. when you want to be (laughs) cannabis and like, I hid the cannabis side of my life from like my accounting side for a very long time. Like you could only find it on like my, my Instagram or something like that. But like my LinkedIn was like super buttoned up. It was like, you know, just all my accounting background and all of my degrees. And I just made sure like everything was like really separate. And then I had to even come to a conclusion that like, screw it. Like I have to be out of the green closet, especially because I was doing podcasts and I was doing interviews and I wrote, you know, I've written recipes for high times that were published. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if you Google my name, I can't hide from cannabis anymore. So it was just like, well, shoot, I guess that's what I'm doing. But you do have to be careful that like, you know, talking about how we talked about earlier, people pivoting and choosing what you love, but there's some implicit bias that people may not say it to you. But if you start attaching your name to cannabis, like you may not know like certain things that may come up for you. So just be careful. Yeah. Um, like it could be just, like your neighbor. It could be like moms at the PTO who don't know. Mm-hmm. Or you, you know, so weird where we are now. So you just got to be super careful <laughs> when you want to, especially in, if you're in my situation, which half the country is, right? Where you have like, a passion or you have a project or a product or service that you want to bring to the cannabis industry, but like it's prohibited where you live. So just be careful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kina. I think what you're saying is exactly what we were hoping to promote with this, that if you are interested in career development, not only during this month, but every month, because it's important that you look out for yourself, it's you really got to take the time to recognize that commitment towards that self-improvement and take the steps, make a plan for success, hone your passion like Kina has, get on that LinkedIn, update your resume, do the networking. And I really believe in kind of staying educated and trained in whatever your speciality is so that you can have the biggest, biggest lead in your career development going forward and really, really enjoy your, your natural talents, whatever they may be. And Mm -hmm. again, we talk about this often, but there's no time like the present to really start owning not only your career, but what it is you're passionate about. So this month, join a lot of professionals coast to coast, celebrate your career. If you're in a place that you don't want to be, then make a plan this month to pivot and get out of there, or at least find something that refills your cup so that it's not so bad that you're doing something you don't like to do. Yeah. And you know what, if I could give a final tip, Natalie, I would say be careful with a lot of these like courses and stuff that are popping up. Like make sure that if you're going to try to, if you're like me, like you love being a student, that you go with a reputable cannabis Mm -hmm. educational institution. Uh, I will not name some of the bad ones because I'm not messy, but some of the good ones are Oaksterdam University. Uh, I don't know if they're offering any online classes, but they do offer um, in-person ones in Oakland and um, Mm -hmm. They have a lot of resources for learning how to get in the cannabis industry through like whatever you want to do. So it can be like edibles or manufacturing or extraction or growing and stuff like that. Um, but mm-hmm. be careful. Like there's a lot of, um, cause I mean, in every industry there's snakes, but there's a lot of people who are snakes in the grass in the industry because they know people are excited about it. So sure. like do, again, like we said, do your research and make sure like mm-hmm. these people, you know, are legit when they're offering like, Oh, I can teach you how to do A, B and C. Yeah. Like just, make sure that like it's real like maybe try to find people maybe through linkedin or something that like have done it <laughs> you know actually have yeah. a certificate or finish the program mm-hmm. and stuff like that because um there's just a lot of people who want to capitalize on your passion and your interest 
Um, and they may or may not be like, you know, they have not had integrity. So just be careful. Yeah. Um, there is, because just the, the biggest caveat, just know that there is no easy button. There is no um, like silver bullet to get mm-hmm. into the industry. So although there's a ton of resources to learn, just make sure that like somebody's not taking your hat. Like if they're, yeah. they're asking you for several thousands of dollars to learn something, Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Now, Kina, we usually have a segment during our episodes called Munchie of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) And we thought we would ask you as a can of chef, we know you Mm -hmm. make some scrummy munchies. (laughs) What's something that you make for yourself that you consider a munchie? Well, I will call it this my shameless plug then. Because <laughs> all, all I've seen. Because I had a launch Go party. I had a launch party two weeks ago in Michigan um, for my for my brand. But like it's our first product. It's our dispensary ready product. It's our pot and pan sofrito. Um, so that is definitely the munchie that's all in my face and all in my refrigerator. <laughs> right now it's my pot and pan sofrito. And sofrito is... Um, I would call it more of a, con- I guess it's kind of like a condiment, but not really. They're recipe bases. So all of our um, products will start the re- they're recipe starters. So the sofrito one is based with like tomato, garlic, onion, um, bell peppers, and it's all kind of blended together. It's pre-dosed at 20, 20 milligrams per packet. And mm-hmm. we, we offer recipes for free with when you buy the product. So there's a little QR code on the back of the packaging. Ooh. So when you scan it, it takes you directly to all of the pot and pans recipes for the sofrito. Or you can just mm-hmm. add it to any tomato-based recipe that you particularly um, like. So if anybody's interested in it, like um, it's on our website, so you can just see the recipes yourself. It's um, mm-hmm. the word. So we always use short PNP for pot and pan. So P, letter mm-hmm. P, letter N, letter P. So our um, website is www.cookpnp.com. And then you can see all the sofrito recipes for that particular product. Um, so that is the munchie that's just all in my grill <laughs> right now. Okay. Because I've been making... Um, developing a ton of recipes for people who are using the product and then my favorite munchie um is actually a recipe that i wrote a long time ago for high times and they're these um cookie dough pretzel bites so they're amazing so they're so yeah i don't even remember what issue it is it was from a while ago but it's in high times (laughs) (laughs) and so you can google it you can google it but it's um, like mini pretzels and then they're dipped in dark chocolate. So like they're half dipped in dark chocolate. And mm-hmm. then I make edible cookie dough in between. So it's like a little sandwich cookie. So like the, the top and bottom are mini like chocolate dipped pretzels. And in the middle is like a chocolate chip edible cookie dough. It is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And if you're a micro doser, don't eat it. <laughs> because we are better than Lay's. You cannot eat just one. <laughs> so, and to this day, like I made that so long ago and I've made so many like crazy things, fun things. Um, that is my favorite thing. I don't know where I came up with that because I just love like sweet and salty stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite munchie. Like I will, I could eat way too many of those. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, the, the cookie dough pretzel like sandwiches are my absolute favorite. But the one that's all up in my business right now, <laughs> no pun intended, is pot and pan so free dough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh, maybe, maybe we'll we'll make sure to put links for the the website on where you can go. And Gina, we thank you so much oh, for you. offering thank your you. time <laughs> and so much like sage advice today um, on it. career development and your personal journey into the cannabis industry. Yeah. Can you 
tell people where they can find you on the web and check out your channel and get your cookbook because I'm ordering that. <laughs> I appreciate you. And I definitely want to send you guys some of the Soprito. So I need to get you your address when we're done. Because <laughs> I want oh, you guys to try it out and give me some feedback. But um, so Instagram is a hater and they actually <laughs> deleted my eight-year-old mm-hmm. account due to cannabis content. And they told me it's permanently deleted and they won't tell me why. Wow. Um, yeah, which is crazy crazy so uh my old account is gone i know so many of my followers were like wait where did you go so thank god that i backed up all of my content on a um an external hard drive or i would have lost eight years of content as well but um my cooking show for youtube it does have its own instagram page so um it's just at my antidote tv because the name of the show is the antidote so it's my (laughs) antidote tv is um where you can find like still like the the post about like different recipes and different episodes. And then uh, pot and pans has its own Instagram as well, but it's like re- really new because pot and pans is new, but it's just um, at pot and pans, the whole word um, underscore. So it's pot and pans underscore. Uh, and that's really it for now. Cause I'm like, <laughs> they gave me the boot. So I had all, all my like thousands of followers and all that stuff just that's evaporated ridiculous. like overnight, which is wild. Um, but yeah, my, my companies in like the show, they do have an Instagram presence and like so the, the, I have my website if you want to see like my photography or um in, like cannabis consulting and marketing stuff that I do it's creativemaven.me and I'll send all this stuff to Natalie because <laughs> I'm like it's so much stuff. I do way too many jobs but like that's where you can find my my cookbook and all that kind of stuff and um and then the, the some of the shows are posted on there as well and I think that's it, right? Oh, and then cook PNP. is where you can find pot and pans. So if you're interested in investing in a cannabis business and you like what you heard today and you feel like you want to get to know me a little bit better, um, we're absolutely still accepting investors. And there's a ton of information about investing on the Cook PNP website. And there's also a video on my YouTube that kind of walks people through their first time investing in an early stage company. Uh, so yeah, but I'm I'm around. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Keena Moffitt. I'm everywhere. Yeah, I was gonna say, Kina, you busy girl. You busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have 50, 50 mm-hmm. jobs. So. <laughs> 50 like... jobs. So I'm around. <laughs> Thank you, and Angel. I know that we love your services. Can you tell people where they can find more of your coaching and your videos online so they can follow you too? Absolutely. Everything's basically Angel Universe. Oh, sorry. Angel Universal <laughs> right now. Um, Instagram's kind of my main jam. And then I have links to all my other profiles, my YouTube podcast, all that jam, the products I make. So, yeah. It's happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. What guys. kind of products do you so make, much. Angel? What kind of, sorry? Products do you make? Oh, I make all natural soy candles. Um, nice. And oh, I. Candle junkie. Oh, and they're all um, scented with essential oil and like herbs and spices. That's how I color them as well. Yeah. Okay. Send me the link. I'm Filled with intention. I have yes. another problem. Like I have so many that haven't even been lit yet. I oh, me too. Problem. I have a collection yeah, of candles that smell pretty. <laughs> 
but I haven't lit them yet. I'm just yeah. like, that's my collection. Um. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you guys. And you guys know where you can find us on the web. We pretty much live on Instagram. You can shoot us a message there at stoned in social, like rock and roll, or you can hit us up old school Gmail with stoned in social at gmail.com. I don't, I can't promise it will be answered, but um, it will be sent. And that's all you can appreciate in this day and age that we will get it and we will get to it. I promise it. <laughs> As usual, send us your pictures of your cannabis, any memes you like, any new products. Go check out Kina and Angel. Make sure you follow these two lovely human beings. And don't forget, guys, we will see you the same time, same place next week. Namaste stoned. Bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>